Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips, and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Okay, guys, today's guest is a coach and the co-founder of the Two Minds Project. Him and his business partner, Craig, have built a six-figure coaching business in their first six months and they're one of the fastest growing ones here in all of Australia. After hitting rock bottom in his 20s and spending nearly every day riddled with anxiety, so much to the point that he couldn't even leave his own house, destroying relationships and losing jobs because of it, he realized that he's making the decision to stay crippled with anxiety and he can also make the decision not to be. Creating enough leverage in his life, he made the decision that he had only one option in his future and that was to live a life without anxiety and was prepared to do anything he had to do to achieve it. Having ran thousands of tours now and spoken to over 100,000 people whilst, whilst he used to run remi- uh, marine tours in North Queensland, he developed not only a love for helping people enjoy life, but also speaking. So please help me welcome the guy who went from waiting tables and working behind a bar to now the co-founder of one of Australia's fastest growing coaching businesses, which helps other coaches and entrepreneurs reach that special 10K a month mark and more. My dear friend, Mr. James Balog. You. What's up, Morgan? Thanks What's for having me. Good, brother. So good to have you in here. Finally, we've been wanting to happen, uh, have this happen for quite a while. So I'm, I'm stoked that we finally get to record a conversation because we hang out all the fucking time <laughs> and we talk the most epic shit. And I think every single time we finish talking, we're like, "Fuck, man, we should have recorded this." We yeah. gotta, gotta start carrying a mic. We just we? carry a microphone. Maybe maybe people on here can upgrade and get like a special VIP listening thing, and they get these extra conversations. Yeah, maybe we should just maybe we should just get a full time like a full time film and sound guy <laughs> following us every day. Yeah, if only we had something like that, right? That'd be great. So, how's this going to work? I got a few questions. I'm going to hit you like a really rapid fire, so everyone can kind of get to know you a little Definitely. bit more, and then we'll dive into wherever this conversation is going to go. Okay, love it. So, first one is where did you grow up, James? Yeah, I grew up in Port Douglas. Port Douglas. Yeah, North Queensland. And where do you live now? I live on the Gold Coast. What's your favorite food? Oh, spaghetti. Tacos. Really? Yeah. Not tacos? Nah. Tacos are two though. Tacos are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have any type of superpower, what would it be? Oh, any type of superpower. You know, I think my superpower right now, my greatest superpower is awareness and mm. I want to keep it. I love it. We're definitely going to talk more about that awareness. Um, what is your X factor? Super awareness. <laughs> cool, cool. What was your dream job when you, when you were a kid? Oh, my dream job was to be a marine biologist and work on the Great Barrier Reef. And you did that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did that. I, I, chose, I chose not to go to university and study it because at 17 when I was working in the surf club at the bar, as you explained at the beginning, I got recruited to work on a boat who only hired marine biologists, even though I was 17 and I wasn't one yet. Right, that's sick. So, so you kind of went and actually 
lived your dream life, a uh, dream dream job. You had your dream job, then something shift along the way. Did it? Did your dream job change? You want something more, or what was it? Yeah, it's a good question. Actually, I I lived my dream job for for seven years full time, working on the Great Barrier Reef, speaking to over a hundred thousand people, taking people snorkeling, diving, teaching marine ecology, and all of the cool things: swimming with whales, turtles, fish, sharks. However, the thing was I had a mission and the mission was to really make a difference in conservation and and the health of the Great Barrier Reef. And after seven years, I really felt like I didn't achieve it because we had the greatest mass coral bleaching event that the world had ever seen mm. and 80% of the Great Barrier Reef died that year. And that was and in that year I decided, oh man, what, what are we doing wrong? Yeah, that's hectic. Um, who's someone that's inspired you to get to where you are now and why? Oh, I love it. I have this amazing, amazing mentor here on the Gold Coast that my, Morgan. Business, that my business partner <laughs> Craig and I met. His name's Morgan. <laughs> his name's, um, his name's Julio <laughs> Delafitte. He's, um, this, this crazy Brazilian. We're going to have him on here as well. Oh, he's an awesome. He's awesome. So I won't spoil it, but a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, and so interesting conversation. And so what what is your dream now? I love it. My dream now is to improve planetary symbiosis through the integration of technology and the environment. That's a lot of big words. Okay, I want to I want to talk about that. Um, but I'd love to chat more about, you know, you're saying one of your superpowers is having awareness. What does that mean? Yeah, so it took me quite a while to figure out that my highest value in life is actually awareness. And what, that, and what that basically means for me and in terms of turning it into a superpower is I have an ability to see things that other people don't see. Hear things like you're that a other... psychic? <laughs> Mentalist? Not, not quite, not quite. Uh, basically, the problem is never the problem. Or what we think is going on is very rarely what we think is going on. And from an early age, I, I, I really learned to utilize my eyes, my ears, and my thoughts to see finer detail in a bigger picture and what that gave me as a superpower to be able to help people establish what the problem really is and where the focus really should be in comparison to where they think it is and that's in life in the world and in in anything big small or otherwise i'd love to know some examples where in your life have you noticed when when you've sort of because this is so relatable because so many people uh, you know, I stuck in this, this is the problem. I don't have this or I need this or my boyfriend has this, my girlfriend, whatever. And so you're saying that that what they think is the problem isn't actually the problem. So how does it make sense? Like what are what's some things you've realized in your life where you've been like, fire out, I thought this was the problem and it actually wasn't and it fixed what you thought was the problem. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I feel like I could go in many, in many directions with this, like big, big, small or otherwise. And I'll use, I'll use a recent one. Mm-hmm. I'll use a really recent one. And this one might hit a few people um, quite hard. Is that okay? Good. All right. They need cool. it. They want it. They love it. So growing up, my, 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 my ultimate hero was my dad. And he taught me how to, how to read the water. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to, to, to look for animals. He taught me how to expand my awareness and, and how to think critically and, and ask a lot of questions. And right through growing up, the last 29 years, I would say my, my dad has been like my hero and I've always looked to him to, to, be, the, to, be, the, to be the voice of reason and, and to be the one who has the, the ultimate awareness and, and, and the answers. 
And most recently, our relationship changed in the last couple of years a fair bit. And what I found was that our, our relationship seemed not seemed not to give me the awesomeness that it, that it had in the past. And there's a bit more negativity in our conversations and whatnot. And I just kind of put it down to, to him, not to him, not to him kind of settling, like getting a little bit older, him kind of settling in life and just not really wanting, wanting anymore. And what I realized recently was actually my expectation of him being my hero. And the fact that I was, I kept looking for what he used to be able to give me without without choosing to recognize that actually I've grown to a point now where he can't give me the same things and therefore I can't ask for the same things meant that for the first time in my life, I really had to let go of the old relationship with him and decide and sit with what the new one may be and know that the new one may not be what I wanted it to be in the capacity I wanted it to be and so and so now moving forward i have to really understand that it's okay mm-hmm. to to let that go so is it kind of in another way and tell me if i'm wrong here was it you're having an expectation of what he should be and he wasn't meeting that anymore because you've grown past of actually needing him for what he was giving you yeah, that's it. That's it. And the, and where I am now in life with with this business, where I am now in life with this giant vision and what I'm working towards, he never did that. So he actually doesn't have the answers for me anymore. So the problem was inside of you. The problem was inside of me. Not him. That you thought it was him. Not him. Which is, it's always the case. It's actually it's always the problem with us. So how how can people become more aware of what's actually happening inside of them and how they are actually creating all their own problems? Yeah, it's a good question and. The first step is this, if you don't know the reason, if you don't know the difference or the distinction between feelings and emotions, it's really important to understand that first because we can get an, we can have an emotion like anger or sadness or fear and it feels in our body a certain way. And so the first thing to do, the first thing to learn is to actually understand how those feelings manifest based on each emotion. So what does it feel like? So what does anger feel like for you in your body? What does anxiety, for example, as we spoke about before, mm. feel like? Because what you'll find is with every emotion, there's, there's a certain pattern of feelings. And when you learn how to map those feelings out, you can start to figure out what you're about to experience. And rather than succumbing to the emotion, like getting really angry or, or getting really fearful, you allow yourself to recognize what's happening and stop for a moment, zoom out and just go, what's the reason for this? What's really happening here? So instead of reacting, you respond. Mm. And I'm imagining this is built off lots of like past triggers and past thing events in the past that have happened. So let's say people are in a relationship right now and they can get angry or frustrated or whatever with their partner it's not really the partners. That's not the problem. The problem is really what's happened leading up to that, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's the, the they're, choosing, they're choosing a response either consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. And 95% of our world happens in the unconscious. And so most people are just responding unconsciously. And here's the thing. If you're feeling angry or sad or fearful, there's actually only usually maybe two or three instances that will create each of those emotions at a high level for each person. 
And once you actually choose to respond and you choose to learn about why you get into that state, then all of a sudden you start to understand yourself on a different level and you start to be able to dissociate from the other person causing it and you start to be able to figure out why it's coming through for you. Yeah. How can somebody start to recognize, like A, recognize this that what's happening right now is a past event that's coming up or a trigger or whatever, then how can they get better at um, getting rid of it, I guess? So like destroying it in the current, dealing with the problem that isn't the problem? Yeah, I love it. And and look, there's many different ways out there. And I think and I think that's the most I think the most important thing to understand here is that there's many different there's many different methods, there's many different modalities, there's many different ways that you can get to know your body and the feelings and emotions within you. So there's more than one there's way. More than one way. Wow. Some people use breath work, some uh-huh. people use tapping, some people use NLP. So I'm so I'm a master NLP practitioner like you are, Morgan. Mm-hmm. And that's one way of doing it. Some people go and see a psychologist. There's many different ways. The first step here is awareness though. Right. Yeah. It, it really is. So whatever you need to do to whatever method is in front of you that allows you to become more aware of your feelings and emotions and and understand why specifically, then all of a sudden your awareness for yourself and why you do what you do grows and you start to find the answers that you need. Yeah. So one thing that I've really noticed with you is you're really driven, tenacious, like you're kind of just like, I'm going to fucking make a way or like, you know. <laughs> so take us back to, I guess, when you're in your 20s and you were like, I can't even leave the house and you got destructive behavior of because of what's happening internally. How did you deal with that and start to like, what was the moment for you when you're like, fuck this, I've had enough. Then what was the actual steps for you? Because there's probably so many people here that are listening to this going, you know, identif- the first thing, identifying with, oh, I have anxiety, which I think I've talked about in episodes before where it's like, it's not real. <laughs> uh, but how did you kind of break free from that mold and start to relentlessly go after what it is you want? And then, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you did it there. And I'd love to then go into the story of building your current business now because you guys have just like threw everything at it, risked it and, <laughs> and created like freaking nearly nearly a seven-figure business. It's fucking yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. I love it. So, so you want me to just tell the story? Yeah, like so what, how, how did you actually... Like if you can if you can go back to when you were in that state where you're like, this is just crazy, I've got all this anxiety, blah, blah, blah. What was the moment that made you actually make the decision to change? And then how did you actually start to get out of that? Yeah, I love it. And I and and I yeah. Great question. So I think it's important to preframe that before I was twenty-three when it kind of started, before I was sort of twenty-three, twenty-four is when it sort of started. Before that, man, I was a daredevil. I was running around, I was kite surfing, I was jumping off cliffs, I was doing crazy dives and snorkels on the reef. I was always stretching my fear muscles, always, always, always stretching my fear muscles. And I never, ever, ever thought that I could be a person who turned into an anxious wreck. Mm. And so around about that age, what happened was I kind of stopped doing things that used to allow me to face fear. I'd stopped doing a lot of those things that I loved right? There's the key. I stopped doing a lot of the things that I love that kept me grounded, that brought out my essence, that made me happy. And I started to to 
to succumb to a relationship that I was in, which was with somebody who they themselves was incredibly depressed and they themselves was living in a life that was an incredible struggle. And as I did less of the things that I wanted to do and tried to help and help and help and help and help her, I started to take on a lot of that negative energy. I started to take on a lot of that responsibility and the less I did for myself and the more I did for her, the more energy I got depleted and I had developed this thing that we that we call anxiety, this experience that we call anxiety. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea how it happened. It's just literally one day I was I was me and the next day I experienced this crazy, crazy anxiety attack and I, I couldn't sleep at night. I thought I was dying. I had no idea what was going on and then for the next two weeks, I really struggled to leave the house. I struggled to get in my car and drive more than 60 kilometers an hour. I struggled to go to the shop. Anytime my heart rate would go up a little bit, I just didn't know what was going on with me. So I eventually managed to suppress it over a few months of struggling and kind of learn to live with it, not solve it, but live with it. Mm -hmm. And then it happened again where, where I had, you know, a period I couldn't leave the house. And then in the fourth year, about four and a half years into it, it happened for the third time where I was in a situation, I was in a relationship with a different person that I knew I didn't, I shouldn't be in. I'd stopped doing the things that I wanted to do, largely because I also, largely because I had very little money. So I had very little freedom of choice. So I couldn't choose to do a lot of the things that made me happy. I was still working in a job with with bosses that were not treating me well, that were not treating their staff well, that really went against my values. So I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in. My values were in conflict every single day. And I was in a state of survival, not abundance. And this anxiety hit me so hard. I was living here in, in Broad Beach, in an apartment. And I spent three weeks in the apartment, barely able to leave. And every day thinking, man, where's the nearest hospital? Man, what if someone can't find me? Man, you have to, you need a key to get in the door of this place and a, and a tag to get up the elevator and then a key to get in the deadlock of my apartment. Oh my God, I'm by myself. What's happening to me? Mm. It was horrible. And then, and then I ended up seeing a psychologist who, who helped me to manage it more and understand it a little bit. I ended up getting a new job working for the Commonwealth Games, supporting scaffolders. So like, so like the, the most basic, basic of jobs that I could get, right? That was just a physical job that at least challenged me physically. And I started to earn a little bit of money, save a little bit of money. I, I was still in the relationship and things went well for a couple of months. And then I got to a point where I realized the whole reason I moved for the Gold Coast at the time was actually to get into fly and fly out work, to go and work in the mines. I wanted to work in the mines because I wanted to solve my money issues. I wanted to get really like fit and healthy and just do something I'd never done. Question here. So you want to solve your money issues by, I'm assuming, finding a job that made more money. Finding correct? It, correct. Did that solve your money issues? Well, it's interesting. I, I, the, so here's the thing, right? The problem is never the problem. Yeah. What we think is the yeah. solution is never the solution. F getting the job in the mines, which ended up happening about six months after that period of staying in my apartment, changed my whole entire life. Mm. However, it wasn't the job that changed my whole entire life. It was the point where after working on the Commonwealth Games, I realized I was still working for people who were shit 
who were massive conflict with my values. I was still in that same relationship that I didn't want to be in. And I started burning through my money when I quit that job. And lo and behold, started feeling anxious again. Mm. I got to a point where I was so low. I had no money left. I called my dad. I was in absolute tears. And I just said, why do I keep failing? This keeps, why do I keep happening? How am I back here again? I hate this. I don't know what to do. I just, I just can't do it. I can't get a job in the mines. It's been 18 months. I just, I keep ending up in this state. I was just in full, full on tears. And he just goes, here, here's, here's, um, $4,000 to go and do your skipper's ticket. So I could be a captain on a boat. The next level of skipper's ticket. Go, go do, do what you want, what you know, you just need to do. Go and work on the water, go drive a boat. You're really awesome at that. You, you enjoy it and, and you'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. And then literally all of a sudden I made a decision at that point. It was a decision where there was only one future. And that future was that I would do anything that I need. I I either give up completely or I do anything that I needed to do to live a life without anxiety and to progress and slowly make the money that I needed to make and to just change my world fundamentally. Yeah. And I had no choice. It was give up or go or move forward. And then within, I kid you not, three days later, I got a random phone call from a guy that I used to work with on the Great Barrier Reef. I hadn't spoken to him in two years. He's one of my dear friends. I hadn't worked with him for four years. And he goes, do you have a moment? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of putting a giant TV in my car right now. Can I call you back? He's like, no, 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 I need, do you have to have a moment? And I was like, okay. And I'm holding this big TV in the back of my car, talking to him on the phone. And he goes, are you looking for work? And I was like, yes. He's like, do you want a job? I was like, yes. He's like, can you start next week? And I was like, yes. And what I knew was that this person calling me, whatever he was offering was going to be epic. And I was like, so what is it? And he's like, well, I'm working up in the mines. And I'm working and I'm driving a tugboat, towing, towing barges of bauxite out to sea to ships. So, so it was a fly in, fly out job, mm-hmm. working in the mines and working on boats. Holy shit, man. The moment I made this one decision to do anything that it took, after 18 months of applying for hundreds of jobs and not getting it, all of a sudden I had my dream job and I got to stay living. I got to stay on the water and I got to live on the water. That's so good. And tell me if I'm wrong here. The The difference here is what it was before three days prior, you kept trying to live a life that you wanted. Is that right? You were, just, you were just trying. I just, I just was like, there was no choice. Yeah. But then you made the absolute decision. Yeah. yeah where yeah. there was absolute no choice other than what I want. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And 100%. I think so many people sit here because like this is one of the things I talk about all the fucking time as well. In fact, it's like one of the biggest things I teach like within my four pillars, it's like not nothing will actually happen until you fully decide. And it's, I, I can't, maybe one day I'll think of a way to really teach it in a way to fucking punch it in people's heads. But some of you that are listening will get it right now and some of you won't get it just yet. But everything you're, you're wanting, everything like on, that's, that's there waiting for you, it's, you can have it all. As soon as you're ready to 100% actually make the decision that you're going to have it at all costs. Imagine this, right? Imagine this. You get a packet of Skittles, yeah? Get a packet of Skittles and, and I ask you to break the packet open and pour the Skittles all over the desk. And then I ask you to eat one. And now you've got like 
what, 50 Skittles all over the desk and you've got to choose one Skittle. And it's like, you could choose any of them, right? Because there's so many, there's so many choices. There's all these Mm. different colors. There's all these different Skittles to choose from. And you might choose the one that you like, or you might choose one that you don't like. You're not really sure. You've never, you've never eaten Skittles before. So you actually don't know what all the colors taste like. You just have to, you're just, you're just trying to make a decision on what the best Skittle might be, but you've got 50 choices. How do you make the decision, right? And then let's just say I go, okay, cool. And then I put one Skittle on the deck, on the desk and I go, eat that Skittle. It's the best flavor. Then you've only got one choice. And that's, and, and it's, and it's going to be the Skittle that you eat and it's going to be a great flavor. Mm. So it's sort of the same thing in life, right? When we see, when we see multiple futures, we give ourselves so much choice. And the thing with most people is the multiple futures that they see are futures where they could fail. So how do they know which one they need to choose? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you choose one. And and, decide on it. And decide on it. Because by the way, Failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of success. Mm. It's the price of admission. Yes. I was talking about this yesterday. I was being interviewed by somebody else and I said to them, I was like, how we've been programmed to live like a, well, how we've been programmed since a young age to believe that failure is bad is because it's school. It's like, because at school, the more you fail, the more you believe your shit the more then you can't go to university, then you can't, then all these things mean something else in, in the school, right? So if you fail, that means you're dumb. If you're dumb, you can't get to university. If you can't get to university or college, that means you won't be successful. If you won't be successful, you'll, mean you'll live a shit life forever. So we associate so much pain to, I can't fail, I can't fail, I can't fail. So now what happens in the real world, people go, well, fuck, if that rat has some failure in it, I'm not gonna choose, I'm gonna choose a nice, comfortable one. I'm just gonna get that nine to five. I'm gonna settle for this seven out of 10 lifestyle because you know what? I know that I can't fail here, right? But here's the thing. The, to create success in anything, like you, you need to fail. Like you said, it's like it's the price of admission because at school, we're punished for failure. In real life, you're actually rewarded for it. So now I actually seek opportunities. I seek ways of how can I fail more times than anybody else can even try this. Therefore, by law, I'm going to be better than them at this. Exactly. It's fear, right? It's fear. It's that we've been trained to be afraid. We've been trained to create fear fear behind failing and what you and what we find is that the most successful people they don't fear fear like elon musk how many rocket ships did he blow up exactly to... hey how, how many times did he lose multi-million dollars yeah you know what i mean like he like it's it's crazy what what he went through but it's because he's not he's not afraid to fail mm-hmm. and it's and it is the price of admission and you're right like this this the current schooling system it creates fear amongst mistakes yeah yeah one thing you mentioned quite a few times was conflict of your values do you want to talk a little bit about this because i'm sure so many people because like i know that when we are in conflict that's when we're living like an unfulfilled or unhappy life but we can't understand why so can you break this down a little bit like how how can somebody sort of what is firstly what is living in conflicted values mean and how can somebody sort of get clarity on what their values are yeah i love it so yeah, this is a really cool piece because what with 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 what I said with with the story that I just went through in terms of figuring out anxiety, right? For me. By the way, anxiety is just fear of the future. Fear of the future is the experience of anxiety. And what I learned through that whole process is that if I'm ever in a relationship that unconsciously I know I shouldn't be in, if my values are conflicted and I'm in a survival state where I where I'm 
afraid that I don't have the funds to be able to just put food on my table and pay my rent, then the way that manifests for me is the experience of anxiety. Mm. So what I learned is what that feels like in my body. And then I learned to ask the question, this is interesting. This feeling means anxiety. What's happening for me right now? Am I in a relationship that I don't want to be in? Am I values conflicted somewhere? Or am I in some sort of financial stress? And every single time I experience the experience of anxiety, it's just an experience. Like you said, it's not real. It's just an experience. It's your body saying, hey, you've got to look at this thing that you're not looking at. Yeah, it's a warning. I look at those three things and I go, oh, that's where it is. And then I know exactly what I need to, what I need to solve or improve. And then all of a sudden the anxiety is gone. So that I think is a really important step to just tack on to what we've spoken about yeah like the awareness like like you can't intervene with a world that you can't see so i think like what you said like one of your biggest superpowers has been awareness it's probably one of mine as well just super yeah. fucking aware it's like this feels odd or this or this or this and because when to become aware we can go okay where's what's happening what's really happening here but yeah yeah tell us about the values so values so values are it's like you're if if you're if you're driving a ship right or 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 a big boat right then the ship has a rudder and the rudder is what turns and it steers the ship in the direction that the ship needs to go in yeah and if the rudder is steering the wrong way then the ship goes off course and maybe it might hit something maybe it, it might find itself in turmoil and it might sink cool mm-hmm. so values are like the rudder that steers the ship in the direction that you want for your life right? Which for everyone, let's face it, is happening. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if our values are what steers our ship to happiness, then it's really important that we know what they are. And it's really important that we identify when we're surrounded or when we're in the vicinity of someone or something that conflicts with our values. Because what happens is it steers our ship away from our happiness. And then our body starts to respond to that by throwing things at us like maybe anger, maybe sadness, maybe fear, maybe anxiety to say, hey, this is an alarm, right? In, in, in a boat, it's an autopilot alarm where the alarm starts going off. You're going off course, you're going off course, you're going off course. And for me, that, that, that manifests in anxiety. You're going off course, you're going off course. You're going away from happiness. So first of all, understanding what, what values drive you is really important. So if you want to identify your values, a really great way of doing it is to actually have a look at what really pisses you off. <laughs> like what, you know what I mean? What really pisses you off when you, when something happens around you that just grinds your gears and all of a sudden it just makes you want to lift the roof and, and, and be like, I hate this. This is bullshit. What is this? That's probably a great indication that there's a massive conflict of values happening right now. So if, for example, a lot of people in Australia specifically are in massive values conflict right now with what's going on because there's a lot of fear in the world and where and there's a lot of restrictions in the country and we don't have the freedom that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are super angry because they value freedom so highly. They value sovereignty so highly. They value fun so highly. You, you can't go out every day and do the things that light you up and you start feeling depressed. It's because one of your huge values is fun, like it is for you, right? Yes. So first of all, what really pisses you off when, when you find yourself 
in the vicinity of someone who's maybe talking about something or has done something, or all of a sudden you can't do something that just makes you feel amazing and all of a sudden you start feeling really negatively, what's the value behind that? If you can't see your family, for example, and that really, really rattles you and it starts to create these negative emotions inside of you, then there's a good chance that family or connection is one of your core values. So are you telling people that they need to change their values in this time or is there a better way to sort of keep, because people are probably thinking, well, family is important to me. It's going to stay there, but it's annoying me. Is there a way to sort of keep them, keep the values high if they don't want to change a bit better, sort of deal with it better? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think I think it goes like this. Sometimes it's not about changing values. Sometimes it's purely about awareness because sometimes it can be pretty tough. Let's say you're in Sydney right now and you can't leave your house more than five kilometers. You've got to be fully restricted you're, you're, and, and you've been like that for nine weeks. Well, going out and doing something that you find really fun that you used to do every weekend, like going on you know, a road trip to go for a surfing, may not be even possible. So you might start feeling kind of depressed and kind of shitty because you can't do the one thing that lights you up. So the biggest, the most important thing here is to just be aware that, hey, this sucks, but and this is a values conflict. And the reason I feel this way right now is simply because one of my highest values is not being met. And there's not necessarily anything you can do about it straight away. You might have to sit with it for a while However, the awareness to know that it's not you, to know that it's not your relationship that's pissing you off, to know that, that it's not the, the government that might be pissing you off, that it's not your job, that it's not your boss, that it's not your friends. It's just the fact that you can't jump in the car, drive 20K and go for a surf. And that's one of your highest values is to have fun surfing. Mm. And you can't do that. And that's why you feel the way that you do. Because what happens is, when people don't recognize their values conflict, they start burning other things down. Yeah. And in business, this is huge. So I'm so glad that I learned what my highest values were and also what what the experience of something like anxiety really meant for me before I started business because it's so easy to, to look for problems, right, that you think exist that are actually something way left field. That are actually something way out of awareness. Can I say something there? I want you guys to listen to like the words James just said. Like, so you're you because it's everything we've all got a past. We've all got things that have happened in the past with events and and blah 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 blah. And I think the one thing that keeps people sort of crippled now is that they still identify like kind of as the victim of what's happened in the past. So you didn't say, oh, because I, I had anxiety in the past. It's it that now means this. The thing is, we're going to create meaning of anything. But you didn't say, well, because I had anxiety, it meant that blah, 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 blah. But you used it in a positive way. You reframed the meaning of it. Like, I'm so grateful that I went through that because it taught me this, this, and this. And such an easy thing for any of us to sort of go back and look at an event in the past. Because one thing that my mentor taught me, he's like, event happens, then we add a story to it that equals a problem. So an event happens. So one thing that happened to me one time was, I convinced my, my ex-girlfriend that we should move to Mexico. She was American and she, her whole family was so freaking scared. She said, you shouldn't be going to America. You shouldn't be going to Mexico. It's so dangerous. And I'm like, dude, chill. Like fucking Chicago is fucked as well. You know, like, you know, so we ended up going to Mexico and I said, oh, it's fine. Nothing bad's ever going to happen here. But our second night in Mexico, 
our house gets broken into and I wake up to the house is hot as fuck. Like it's it's so hot. That's my foot. You playing footsie Ooh. under the Ooh. table? James is touching That's my good. foot you under like the table. My, you like my ugly. He's got his ugly boots on. My yeah. toes are so cold and I, I keep got, it there. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but so I, I wake up and the house was so hot because this is in Mexico. It's like 38 degrees every day. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I wake up. It's like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Cameron's like, why was so hot in here? She goes and puts her hand through the curtain and her hand goes all the way through the curtain, like through the door. She freaks out. And she's like, oh my God, the door's open. And I go, close it. It's hot. <laughs> she goes, we've been broken into. And I said, oh, are you okay? And she's like, well, I don't know. I'm freaking out, freaking out. And I said, is anything stolen? I turn around and my, my laptop was stolen. Laptop was stolen and, and I think a bag or something else. And I said, ah, oh, you got my laptop. Can you close the door? It's fucking hot. I'm going back to bed. She could not understand. She's like, you don't understand. We've been broken into. No, no, no. I do understand. But the reality is it's hot now. And I'm I'm tired. I'll deal with it. Like it's worrying about it isn't going to bring my laptop back. Worrying about it and freaking out and making this situation so much bigger than what it actually is and attaching this huge meaning to it. Like now this means that we're in danger. Now this means that we should have anxiety about Mexico. Now this means that we should be scared. Now it doesn't mean anything. It's like maybe what it does mean is check the fucking doors before we go to bed each night. Because I I left that one unlocked. I actually didn't know that there was a door there. We just moved into this new house and it was like, it was hidden behind the curtain. I didn't know it was the door. I thought it was a window and it, it was actually unlocked. So I unlocked that one. So I always locked the one next to it because I didn't know it was a fucking door. I said, well, what I have learned here is uh, that uh, I, should, I shouldn't just assume that my house is locked if I'm living in Mexico. But the thing is, so event happens, but we can attach no story to it, which then equals no problem. And that's what I love that you just did. It's like everything you've had in the past is actually like not attaching a story to it, not attaching a negative meaning to it because that's going to change the way that we identify with it. And you've now used that as gratitude for building your business and, and doing everything now. Oh, dude. Yeah. It, it, what you just said is so important because you're, you're so right. Man, I'm so stoked to have had that experience. Maybe it was a little bit longer than what I, than what I would have preferred and yet everything happens for a reason. It was as long as it needed it to it be. It was as long as it needed to be. For you to make that be. decision. And I would not be where I am today and I would not, have, and I would not be able to hold the tension of running the business and starting up so quickly and scaling as quickly as we have had I not learned how to A, live with anxiety and B, understand why it shows up. Mm-hmm. And we've built a business here that revolves around an ecosystem of relationships and relationships in business for us are the most important thing. And I need to know whether a relationship is going to serve me or not in this business. So what I know now is that anxiety shows up when I'm in a relationship I know I shouldn't be in, right? Mm. So what better tool to have? Yeah. Because all I need to do is recognize the feeling that starts, which starts in my legs. If I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm, if anxiety for me is going to manifest, it starts in my legs. I feel it's like an orgasm. It's like an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> until, un- until it's not. <laughs> oh, fuck. Wrong one. Wrong one. <laughs> and um, there you go. We know something about you now, Morgan. <laughs> and um, Wait, these guys on this show know fucking too oh, much everything. about me. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so actually now it's one of my it's one of my greatest tools because to be to be in collaboration with somebody, I have to know and be able to gauge when the relationship is going well and maybe when the relationship is 
is coming close to its end. Mm. And if I feel that there's a conflict there with my with my values and it starts to be a relationship that is not serving me in the business, I can use these feelings to key into my intuition and say, oh, hang on a second. Something my intuition's telling me now it's it's time to reassess. Yeah. And I love this because like, you know, we, we kick this podcast off talking about your business success and rapid growth and everything. And we've talked about all the internal stuff, which is the whole online message of this show. It's like people listening to this are probably thinking, well, how can I grow my business faster? Which is the problem. And we've then focused on what wasn't the problem, which is all internal. So on on that note though, um, what has been the, the biggest learning curve for you guys uh, since growing your new business? The biggest learning curve for us, I think, is to understand that 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 business and life is eighty percent mindset and twenty percent strategy. That things are so much simpler than we make them. Business is so much simpler than what most people think it is, and most of the problems are not problems; they're programs. Mm. I'll say that again: most of the problems are not problems. They're programs, meaning that they live deep in your unconscious and it's a pattern or a program that you installed probably when you were a kid, probably in high school from your parents, from your teachers, from your role models that actually has you preventing yourself from pushing through a limit or pushing through a barrier or pushing through the fear or whatever it may be in your business. And when you start to key into your programs and you start to learn about that, And instead of noticing or identifying a problem as a problem, you ask yourself, is this actually a problem or is it really a program? Then all of a sudden you you can solve things so much quicker because instead of the problem reoccurring, you just go and remove the program, install a new one, and all of a sudden the problem ceases to exist. Yeah. And if you were to restart today knowing everything that you know now, what would you do differently and what would you do again? Oh my God. Well, here's the thing, Morgan. You see, we didn't make any money for the first nine months of business. Wait, I thought in business you meant to make money straight away. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got sold. <laughs> hey, do this program, man, and you'll scale and you'll scale to 10K a month in three days. Oh man. There were some programs running for us and some terrible money programs running for us. We literally didn't make any for nine months. And then it wasn't until we made some fundamental shifts that in six months, we scaled to six figures because of the recognition that actually we had no problems. We were just running some shitty programs that were preventing us from actually stepping up into, into who, we, who we needed to be. So if I was to do it all over again, I would, I would not hide behind designing and creating the perfect course and the perfect program and the perfect content. I would in, have invested my money, A, in removing as many of the programs as possible with a really good coach who's, who's really good at transformational work and B, investing all of the rest of it in sales and just straight away learning how to actually sell properly. Mm. Because in business, in business and in a startup, the quicker you learn to make money and make money consistently, the less time you need to spend in the hustle phase and the less time you need to spend directing energy away from things that are important to you, like health and fitness and your lifestyle, which is inevitable for most for most people in startup. So make money quicker and you'll 
live the dream quicker. Yes. Bro, this has been fucking awesome. Um, where can everybody find you and the Two Minds Project everywhere and watch all your shit? Oh, I love it. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Two Minds Project. That's the number two, Minds Project. And you can find me on Facebook, James Balog. James Balog. I love it. I love it. I love it. Dude, to, to wrap this interview up, I got one final question for you. Oh, are you ready? I'm ready. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Dude, stop making yourself small to make other people feel comfortable. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story. And make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.